Welcome to episode two of Let's Scream. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, I am Maud Michaud. I'm Ali Chapel. And first off, uh, we'd like to thank you all for those who joined us for our big live premiere on Facebook. You know, I was uh, live commenting and it was really fun to see uh, your comments and your reactions. And obviously, if, you've, if ever you've missed it, you can just like uh, go somewhere on this channel. I'm not going to point because I don't know where things are going to be. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to put the link to episode one so you can get to uh, meet us a little bit more and uh, have a better idea of... Uh, who we are and what we're about. So how was your week, Allie? Oh, it was good. It was busy. I filmed two short films this week on top of just, you know, like being a working human. <laughs> how about you? What have you been up to? You know, same, well, similar, pretty busy. Pretty, well, you see, I, I'm so busy. <laughs> I cannot freaking talk right now. Um, I've been pretty busy um, prepping a short film shoot and writing a lot uh, for new projects. So nothing I can uh, quite talk about just yet. But, you know, keeping busy. Uh, also on top of being a regular working human. So Yeah. That's yeah, because it's being like always tired. <laughs> exactly. Sleep is for the week. It's overrated. Oh, it truly is. Have you watched anything good this week? I've fine. Like, okay, I'm still in catching up mode. So the only horror film I've watched uh, is Mandy that I still had not seen at oh, all. So good. Because I'm still catching. Up. It's so good. Like, it's it's, it's like it. mind. I had no idea what to expect. I like literally went in blind, and I was watching it. And I was all like what is this like all these <laughs> colors and i'm all like wait what <laughs> and it's like it was just it oh, was, it was like a dog and freaky i love it i know it's so so good what about you watch anything good this week uh yeah i revisited some old favorites because i was getting my hair done and my hairstylist came to my apartment and they were like just throw on whatever you want on the tv and i'm like cool we're gonna watch the descent because after we talked about it last week i was like well now i need to rewatch it and then because it's on tubi i didn't have a chance to like flip around to a new movie so it just automatically started playing the descent too and i was like perfect keep it going love it that's wonderful i love this i love when the algorithms actually serve us properly and they yeah. don't like you know start playing some random shit where you're like okay what is this like what is this yes yeah. but you know actually what's really really kind of cool and i found out this morning yes. um we have uh, okay so i made a short film that is part of an anthology project called philia and it's about um, horror shorts that are artsy and um, a little bit disturbing with like a sexual na nature because the whole goal of the anthology uh, was to explore different philias, which are things that people like to um, an extreme. Ooh. And it is being released by Darkside Releasing. And I just saw this morning that it is part of their holiday bundle with a certain movie called Girl with a Straight Razor in which you star. Yes, so. I'm a star of. So it's like... That I know, it's like, it's so funny. It's like, what are the odds that two projects that we're involved, yeah, two projects that we're involved in are bundled together, you know, and you can order them. So anyways, the Blu-rays are out, you know, uh, from Darkside Releasing. Uh, you can go and you can check out, uh, like, you know, the short film that I directed and uh, this film in which Ali acted. Yes, you can check out the feature film that uh, me and my partner, Chris Alexander, made together. It is just a fever dream with lots of blood and weird moments and I get to play a lot of characters in it which I'm really excited about because truly the dream is doing like an Eddie Murphy Norbit style movie where you get to be all the characters but in like the horror genre 
That'd be wonderful. Also, my neighbors are just like screaming at each other. So I'm really no. sorry if that gets picked up. Well, I'm not hearing anything. So, <laughs> so far. Is everybody's attention. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, anyways, I ordered both. So uh, yeah, we can uh, talk about it more whenever they come. I can't wait to watch it. I absolutely cannot wait to see it. So um, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, you were going to say something. I was going to say, do, should we? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I'm very, very excited also, because <laughs> this week we have our first guest ever in the history of Let's Scream. Um, and uh, it's great, because I think this is a perfect guest to begin with, because uh, also her work uh, bridges uh, slasher and psychological horror that we are both uh, very much into, as we've mentioned in the, the first episode. Um, and, you know, um, this is, uh, yeah, full disclosure, it's uh, someone that I've had a chance to uh, meet a few times with a friend of mine. And uh, she uh, recently directed her debut feature uh, titled The Stylist. Um, and it is so completely phenomenal. It is amazing. And it is currently out, um, you know, and available uh, through Arrow Video and on a variety of different, um, you know, um, other platforms around the world. Um, so before bringing her on, I am going to play the trailer for The Stylist for those who have not seen it to uh, get you all excited and have a good idea, uh, you know, what we're going to be talking about. So, Heck yes, you're going to love it. Yeah, here we go. Hi. Right this way. So, what's the plan? I wish my hair would do that. But we all want what we don't have. I guess we all want what we don't have. This is amazing. Can't wait to see this with the dress. Oh, neither can I. <laughs> so, how's the wedding madness? Getting married turns you into such a narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> I am actually nervous. Yeah. It's gonna be great. I love you. Tell me about you, Claire. I do hair. You get to go in and out of people's lives. You hear stories. The hairstylist. She's creepy. Doesn't look naturally know her. You give life advice. Because we all want what we don't have. It's almost like having a family. Are you okay? So yeah, so if you have not seen it, what are you even doing with your life? So yeah, yeah go... stop this podcast now and go watch it and then come back to the podcast. Exactly. So now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jill Givargazian. There you go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. Thank Hi. you. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me on. I feel so special to be the very first. Yeah, Hope I don't screw it. Up. <laughs> oh, so 
it's, no, it's our not. philosophy is like we want this to be kind of like a fun like slumber party type you know so it's like mm-hmm. it's just chill casual let's relax have fun chat about stuff that we like horror films <laughs> i can do that yay so how are you doing uh, you know as you have I'm, i can imagine you must have been pretty busy with the stylist like you know coming out i just saw it's available in france now this week um so maybe you know maybe just tell us you know uh where where you're at with a project and um you know where people can find it i've been trying to keep up with where all it in fact has released it's not as easy as you think you are like, I'm not the first person that finds out half of this information. Um, but we're, you know, like you said, Arrow released us um, in US, Canada, UK, and we're sort of available on Blu-ray, like a crazy pack special edition Blu-ray with a poster, double-sided poster and a CD soundtrack and a scene amount of special features on the disc itself. But we're also on their streaming platform and like, VOD to rent and buy, you know, Amazon, iTunes, all the places. Um, but we've started to release all over the place, like Mexico and France. And I know we're out in the, the Benelux region and actually all of Latin America. I realized when I finally spoke to our Latin America <laughs> distributor, which was so exciting. Um, but it's, yeah, just slowly coming out everywhere else. And it's really exciting. And I'm, I'm like dying to see the foreign releases myself. I want to see if they've been dubbed or if they're just subtitled or what. That's always fun. It's funny what happens to your foreign releases. See if they do anything for fun. (laughs) This might be exposing too much information, but we have a poster that I didn't necessarily love to say the least when I first saw it because it just is like misleading for the film. It makes it look Mm -hmm. like Claire the stylist is like seducing everyone and then killing them. And that's far from the, uh, the premise. But mm-hmm. once I saw the poster used with like the Korean title on it, I was like, I fucking love this poster. It mm. looks so cool in Korean. I'm like, I'm going to frame it now. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, Oh, how much it changed once you just changed the language on this mm. poster for me personally. I know it's awesome. It must feel so great though, just to see it like pop up and whenever you have news that it's like, and just, I think it's like that, that magic, right? Cause I mean, sometimes distributors, they can mess up a title completely by like, you know, just with the poster art. And then like, sometimes like, you know, they get it. And then when they get it, it's pure magic. Like you said, the Korean mm-hmm. poster is just sounds, you know, it must be a uh, really, really fun at this point to be at that point of the project. You know, I don't know for you if it's a, uh, a little bit of a weight lifted, lifting off the shoulders at this point, or if you're still, uh, you know, where where you're at with that. No, yeah, it does feel that way. In but it's also kind of sad because it's like it's over, and the stylist has been part of my life for so long since mm-hmm. the short film. In fact, there was like a Facebook memory that reminded me that I had cast Najara Townsend in the short film, and we announced it seven years ago. And I was oh, like, wow. oh my God. So we started yeah. writing the short in the future even a year before that. And oh, so wow. it's like, this has been part of my life for almost a decade. I'm like, I don't know what to do once it's gone. It's okay. <laughs> You're going to find something else that's going to be as uh, <laughs> as rewarding and as exciting, I'm sure. Yeah. So I guess for those who don't know, can you tell us what the stylus is about, you know, for the watchers? Like, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the short after, but, you know, so... Mm-hmm. In your word, what do you feel the stylus is about? You know, I'm. Um, it's 
I'm so bad at like having this nice succinct way to describe it because it's, okay. it's like a surface, you know, surface on the surface. It's a, a horror movie about a hairstylist that also happens to be a serial killer. And she likes to collect the scalps of her victims, wear them and kind of attempt to escape into their personalities. And in the feature, one of her favorite clients asked her to do her hair for her wedding She's resistant to the idea because that's not really her thing, but she sees it as a way to get close to this person, and she sees it as maybe a saving grace from this world. She's bit this addiction she feels she has, and um, it really doesn't go go well for her. I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Uh, no, because there was a... Uh, I, okay, sorry. Technical <laughs> issue on our end. Um, no, I mean, um, before... So so as you've mentioned, it was a short film that did very, very well on the festival circuit. Um, how, how did you... Like, you know, and you mentioned, I believe, that you started writing the feature at the same time as the short. Is that, is that it? Like, if not, like, how, was the, how did you find a process of like adapting, like going from short to feature and, and doing that, like that relationship between the two. I think it would have been maybe smarter to start writing the feature first, but we actually wrote the short, made it, and then started to write the feature. But it was my intention from like the conception of the idea that I wanted it to be a feature. At the time, I had only made one short film, my first one, and I knew... I just wasn't going to try to like jump from like this one tiny short film, like barely knew what I was doing when I made it to try to make a feature. And it just seemed like a concept that we could tell in both forms and it wouldn't feel like it was stretched to be a feature because it was always the intention. It was like, we'll just do this little snapshot of like her routine in the short and then be able to expand it. I always vision like envisioned it as a character piece. So I thought, I wasn't worried about the feature because I was like, we'll be able to get to know her more there. And um, it was hard at first to figure out exactly how much to say about Claire or to reveal like about mm -hmm. her life, her past. And because I know like so many viewers like to know everything. A lot of us don't like to know everything. And um, I always knew it'd be about like her downfall, like a self-sabotage to so to speak, like the, end of her killing career <laughs> um the short film for me was actually kind of like a mini version of that but um so I knew where it was going um but once I re realized what the ending scene was which it like clicked that summer that I was touring around with the short film when I actually met you mode yeah. and apparently also met Allie in a bathroom but uh I was actually like driving around with my editor, John Pata, and the ending scene came to me. I was like, this is the end of the feature. I was like, now I know what to do. Like, we just have to get to this point. It's like, you know, once you know the end of a movie, it's just mm -hmm. like, how do you get there? Yeah. But it's like, I knew psychologically what I wanted to be, but it took a while for us mm -hmm. to figure out exactly what to put in there, what to not put in. Do we do backs, you know, like flashbacks? Mm -hmm. There was a version that had flashbacks in it, honestly. Interesting. But I never liked it. I never wanted it. It's like we forced it. And then we were like, no one liked it that read that version either. So, but it was hard once we took it out. We were like, how do we do this? That's when we brought in, it was me and Eric Havens who wrote the short film. And we brought in Eric Stoll's 
apparently I only work with Eric's. <laughs> um, Eric's and he was people. really who helped us like get us from like, we have this like structure. We know the beginning and the end, but we need to like b build this a lot more. And he really came in and did magic to the script. <laughs> Amazing. Did you find that with the success of the short film that it was easier to leverage getting the feature film made? Or did you find that there were some difficulties transitioning from like this little piece to a larger scale? It felt like, I think it was very beneficial creatively for us all to like have made the short and like all the major people came back to the feature, like our director of photography, the production designer, composer, editor, like colorist, almost everyone. Um, so it's like we all had tried it once and we had this character with us for so long, but we were trying to get the film financed to the more traditional route, like having a producer, you know, send it out for us to all these companies and looking for financing. And it still felt like that catch 22 of like, you haven't made a feature yet. It's like, everyone wants to see that you've already done it, but then no one will give you the first opportunity. It's like, yeah. how do you get that first? I finally got to a point where I was like, we have to figure out how to do this. Like now ourselves, like maybe, so that's, we did a Kickstarter for like a, a big portion of it. And then, piece together the rest of it um i think the short helped us for sure you know get people to actually read it when we were sending it out and um then definitely with the kickstarter we were like if we're gonna do something like that we should do it now before it had been so many years already since the short came out we were worried if we wait any longer it's like this is gonna be like we've been talking about it for too <laughs> long but um yeah, and it eventually, like it's like it's like a fifteen-minute trailer for our movie, <laughs> and yeah. it was like a big test screening. Like we changed a lot of, in the writing of and in the character from what we learned to the reaction to the short. Um, so in that way, it was like an interesting thing that helped us. I can yeah. rant forever. Warning. <laughs> oh yeah. No, away. We want to hear all of your beautiful thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was gonna say you said something very interesting, and I definitely that that kind of really got me hooked into wanting to see the feature is the whole psychological aspect of the character, and something that you said earlier about how like you know it's like you know the 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 balance between saying too much and not enough. Like to me, I feel like that's one of the strongest part of the film because I mean. Um, personally i don't like being babied into like mm -hmm. i like being left like wanting more and uh you know and, and it's really i always find this fascinating because you know also like as a writer i tend to sometimes like over develop characters into like you know writing backstories that don't end up into the actual film itself you know so i, I and i feel like as audiences today we have less and less films you know that like that go that route it seems like everything is over explained and everything like is tied up all together nicely with a bow at the end and then that's it you know and i think yeah. like you know the the strength like you know like it's it's so it's just so much more powerful to have that ambiguity and even watching the film there's this ambiguous feeling about claire like you know where sometimes i relate to her and then sometimes like you know it just like throws me off because she's like you know being she does something that's completely I'm all like oh no why <laughs> like why did you do this and so often while watching the film like I've had the the, the feelings like oh I just want to give her a hug you know at this point you know and and I just think um I think well this is not really a question but it's just like me I guess like gushing about it uh <laughs> but I just think it's really it's really it's really great and like you know I I definitely 
um, like that you you went that route. I'm, I, I guess, well, I guess to tie it into a question, um, how do you feel in terms of like uh, the character itself, like having developed so much uh, of herself and like versus like what ends up on the screen and, and everything? Yeah. Well, I think like what you said about, I don't know that I believe that it's like over, that you overdevelop a character when you write backstory, whether it ends up like in the on the screen or in the script or not. I think that's like important for us as the author to to know those things because that's what informs like their their actions. Whether mm -hmm. it's ever said out loud, like we need to know where those people come from. But then I also heard I can't remember what director I was listening to that was like said something really made me think about oh maybe back giving a lot of backstory to every actor isn't a great idea and it they said something about the idea of like them being in the moment you know like the idea of not doing a lot of rehearsing because with film we like stuff to be more fresh than theater you know the way you practice something to death with theater um and they were like they're talking about something the idea of like the that actor being too tied to something that was written on this piece of paper a long time ago and i'm like Oh my gosh, but I really like to develop it so we know why they're doing things. Um, and even Najara, our lead actress, she spent a lot of time developing her with me and like journaled as Claire. She told me like every night she would go home. She that's such a I feel horrible at night. So this character is such an emotional, uh, exhausting thing to play. There'd be days we'd be like, you get to smile today. Oh my God, on camera. Um, <laughs> Enjoy these I, moments. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's important for it. It's, it's weird. I like what that, I can't remember what filmmaker it was, but I agree with that. It's like you want a, an actor to be fresh in the moment right there when you're filming it. But he also, if you don't know who that person is, then like, how is anything that they're doing motivated, you know? Um it's interesting because, yeah, with Eric Havens, we always wanted it to be pretty open because we love the kind of films that create a conversation so you can actually discuss, like, what do you think it meant? Where do you think she came from? Or um, I'm going to steal a different filmmaker's quote that Julie, Julia Ducorno, I've been listening to, like, all her Teton interviews because that mm -hmm. movie blew me away, and I got to see her do a live Q&A. This is like the oh, smartest yeah. woman I've ever, person I've ever heard speak about films. Oh yeah. Oh my 100%. God. 100%. And she, she said something about how, it, way more eloquently than I'm going to repeat it, but about how art shouldn't answer questions, that art should create <laughs> movement. And I was like, that is such a beautiful way to put it. But like, just that it creates forward movement, even if it's just a conversation or, or a, it makes you think later or anything that creates pushes us it's not just like here to answer your questions and then yeah it's done there's nothing to to think because it's all been told to you I... yeah I, I i agree with this i'm actually i'm yep. curious to know like how have audiences reacted to to the stylist in that regard like you know because i i know i know it also like it premiered if i'm not mistaken during the pandemic if i'm so i there, there. I don't know if you've had the chance to have a lot of like Q and A's and and such, but I'm just wondering um, how people are like, you know, what their their uh, reaction is towards like, you know, the character of uh, Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did most of our festival run was digital, virtual, which personally is heartbreaking. <laughs> but what can you fucking do? Yeah. Um, it was still cool. Like thanks to the social media and everyone after these festivals would just you know the hashtags it's really that helpful you can see all the reactions but it's different than you know 
being in a room and you can actually hear if specific moments work or if people laughed or didn't laugh or what, you know, made sounds like that's disgusting. <laughs> um, but the reactions have been pretty awesome, but I've also of course seen the, like the reaction that they wish they understood. They knew where she came from, like saw flashbacks, like a lot of movies would do. I got to a point where I was just like all these the type of character that she is and that are all the ones that are similar to her, they all have a very similar background coming from either some sort of horrific neglect or abuse. And to me, it was just like, maybe I'm like too closer, but it did a disservice to show it. Cause I was like, we already know that's where these kind of people come from. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been pretty awesome and recently we've we're still doing screenings thankfully i'm like i'll take any screening we can get that'll be like in person <laughs> um and we did a few last year at drive-ins but uh cool recently we've done some at some colleges which the q a's have been really cool because it's like film students that have like really in-depth questions nice but yeah that's awesome yeah so okay so you're also a hairstylist in real life is that true as well as yes. being <laughs> everything yes did that kind of like how did that influence the content of what this film became yeah that's like completely what inspired it because early on i'd read you know robert rodriguez's book how to make uh, what the hell is it called rebel without a crew um that right now too yeah and like his which is i feel like should be any like low budget indie thinking of like kind of reverse engineering a project. Like, what do you have access to that's cool or unique? Like, whether it's a location or a prop or a car or whatever it might be, or just, like, knowledge of. And I just, like, sitting in the salon one day, I was like, how is there not, like, a horror movie about a hairstylist that kills people? <laughs> um, it really made me think of all the 90s early slashers, like the dentist and the landlady. There's all these, like, the profession killer movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We brought it back. Now we have a hairstylist one. But there I'm like, go. but then I went more of a psychological route. And I still think that like a stoop, like a just over the top funny slasher version should exist. Because <laughs> I was like, there's so many things in the salon. I sound totally in scary, but I was like to like kill or torture someone with. How has this not already happened? Um, I think like more people aren't making those kind of slashers as much anymore or the torture porny stuff, which I've still like, I, everyone likes to talk shit on it. I'm a fan of all the torture. Um, but yeah, I, that's just where it started. And I just thought like, this doesn't really exist. There's like Sweeney Todd is the thing, only thing anybody can that's think true. of. Mm -hmm. And there's like some salon scenes in horror movies, but I just thought like, this is something I can do and like do it true to it as a real hairstylist. And like, also expand things about this world that are unique to it, like the client hairstylist relationship, the like trust that's between those people. And also something I didn't even realize I was like doing until in hindsight, I read, we have this video essay about it, but about it kind of being about class and like being a job that's considered kind of like serving people. And mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just, it's not a like a profession that's really in any genres or movies, but I, I just thought I was like, this is something I can do and other, I want other hairstylists to see it and know that like a hairstylist must have made this movie because they did it right. Like everything looks as right as it could be <laughs> for being a movie. 
That's awesome. It's definitely got me thinking when I went back to the hairstylist recently. I was all like thinking back on the film. I'm all like, oh yeah, I am quite vulnerable in here, you know. But oh yeah, same. I literally got my hair done last week and my hairstylist is like, oh my god, yeah, there's so many things you could kill someone in a hair salon. And I'm like, okay. You tell her to watch the movie. (laughs) Thousand percent. I tell uh I've told plenty of clients like while I'm doing their hair, like what the movie is. And they're like, um, and sometimes they're like the only person left. Cause that's a very real thing. Like we all work for ourselves in most salons, like rent our booth. And mm-hmm. so we all have different hours. And so I'll be like the only one working in there plenty of times. And so I'm like, that's a real, like that you're left alone. <laughs> and some of the people I'm like, good thing you haven't seen it yet. Cause you're the only person here and you'd be legitimately scared. <laughs> And so much of it's based on me. Like, I don't like doing wedding hair. Uh, my friend was getting married at the time of me thinking I'm spoiling some things. Um, getting uh, thinking of the movie. Uh, and I tell, I'm like, don't be scared. But like, I'm now putting a wedding in the movie. It's not about you. <laughs> awesome. But that's also, that's probably how you weed out who are the cool clients and who are not. You, know? <laughs> you can be like, I'm making this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All the extras are my clients, like in the extra scenes and the wedding and the club, like half of them are my clients. So like, I just like smile like a big nerd when I watch the movie because it's just like all my friends or clients or family. (laughs) That's amazing. That's like a great group of supportive people. It's so great that they were able to come out and do that. Yeah, it's really cool. It, It kind of really gives off that community vibe to it, you know, and yeah. Well, can you can you uh, talk to us a little bit about because um, you're uh, from Kansas City, right? Um, so just uh, that's where you shot the film as well, like you know about shooting there and uh, you know and your network, I guess. Because I mean, often when people hear about like you know indie filmmaking, like your people expect to hear like you know um, you know the usual cities, like you know that are you know big filmmaking hub. Yeah. And you're the first filmmaker I've ever met from Kansas City. Like I'm, I'm saying, like there's probably tons of other but i'm kind of fascinated and intrigued by the film community there and um you know um that 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 community that you're part of yeah we we're really lucky it's it's weird like we don't have a lot of feature films being made here like it's mostly if they are it's independent films um we have a big industry of like if you're working in the industry full-time you're doing like you know tons of commercial and reality tv but um so when you do do a feature, there's like a lot of support and excitement for it. So it's that's a positive. But I but I want like the industry to grow here. Of course, um, it was like a dream of mine to shoot this here and really anything that I'm a part of. I'm just trying to convince everybody. I'm like, if we shoot it here, I already know where we can shoot this, this, and this. And I'm like I'm trying to convince every project to come here. Um, we have like a small in- tax incentive for KC Mo specifically, like the city. So if you're literally just outside of the wrong in the like cross the line, it doesn't apply. But we we got the tax incentive for this project, which really helped us. And um, we had like I've been working with a team here, uh, Method Media. They came up to Montreal with me one time for a short film that we played at Fantasia 42 Counts. Um, But with the style of short, I actually worked with almost all people from Chicago and Wisconsin. And then since then developed a team here and then with the feature like we all came together and had a crazy big crew 
there'd be days I'd be like, I don't understand how there are this many people here. We don't even have any money to make this movie. <laughs> like, where is this? How are these people here? Um, but it was incredible. Like we had even like multiple friends I met from traveling around to festivals come in town and just like offer to work on the movie. Like Anthony Cousins, who's a writer director. He was our key grip and just came in town for the whole thing. Um, it was really like a family affair. Like my DP and production designer are married. Najara Townsend, her husband was my assistant director. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my, it's like everybody, like their like my DP's sister was our prop master. It's like everyone worked on this movie that's like related and best friends. <laughs> and um, we were like psychotically close. It was like the greatest experience. Um, but yeah, I love the team here and the deep Robert Stern and Sarah Sharp, the team I'm talking about from Chicago. I wish I could work with them on everything. It's just harder for us to get together. But uh, yeah, we really have a big industry here and it's like, I don't want to call out the locations, but it's like, like we got so many favors, like things that there's no way would be a favor in a bigger city. You know, like there's no way I was told so many times not to try to make this film as like my first low budget movie because it has like, 15 location it has like 20 characters with lines it's not like you know the small budget movies you write with five people in one location on purpose like there's i'm like once i actually broke it down i realized i'm like oh shit am i for instance my like costume designers like claire has 40 some looks and i'm like oh my god this is why people told me this we can't afford to make this movie this much money. um but it's just like so many favors and so much like passion that like made this thing happen. I don't think we could have made it any in any other city. Well, this is the best way to make films and it shows on screen. Well, so, you know, kudos to that. Like, you know, I feel like films that are made with passion and with, with a community of people coming together, there's like something that just makes it like, you know, it's just like, it, it's worth more than any amount of money, you know, you could just like, you know, put on screen. It truly is. And you made an indie film truly look like a multi-million dollar film. Like it's, mm -hmm so perfectly shot all the actors are just phenomenal like your lead just steals everything i hope she's taken home a lot of best actress awards yeah she's amazing i when we worked with her on the short film i was like i don't know how this would work with anyone else because it's also this line we were trying to ride with like i never wanted it to come off campy and i feel like mm -hmm. like her actions and her routine is is definitely ridiculous if I'm honest. <laughs> but I was like, how does this feel real still? I'm like, it's just because she, her performance somehow makes it believable. Mm -hmm. No, and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly great job. Like, like that was like spot on. And uh, Bria Grant as well. She's so amazing. Um, you know, uh, in, in this as well, I forgot her character's name. I was trying to remember it, but. I need to revisit it, but um, Olivia, no, Olivia, that's it. Yeah. yeah, no, it was, it was, it's a great casting that you have that, that really works. And, and I love that, uh, stylistically, like, you know, did, did I, did I notice some giallo reference into this? Like, I don't know if that was intentional, but with the lighting color, you know, in certain, uh, certain scenes, like, you know, uh, I, I'd be kind of intrigued to know about like, you know, your influences, like stylistically, but also, uh, from a filmmaker's perspective, like, you know, story, either storytelling, stylistic, like, you know, um, who inspires you? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the giallo is like an influence through, like, through other influence, almost like 
filmmakers that are clearly influenced by giallo and then i'm influenced more so by that it's like the trickle down because it's weird i didn't grow up seeing a lot of those till i was older like there's still tons i haven't seen mm -hmm. and um but i love i feel like a lot of the lighting is more so like you know N nicholas whining refin inspired which is totally he's inspired obviously by giallo um but we i love that kind of lighting but we always we we approached it like we really wanted it to be motivated from something real versus like we were just going to, you know, it's like a decision to g go into kind of a fantastical place and just light everything like that, even though there's no no way that like blue and red lighting is coming from anywhere real. <laughs> um, we decided we wanted it to like make it actually come from something whenever we would do something like that and uh, had a lot of fun with that. Like we had this red light flashing in a scene where Claire's stalking a character home and created like a whole neon with digital effects in post-production. So we had somewhere where it was actually coming from when we saw the exterior <laughs> shot. And uh, I made it a strip club sign. So I'm like, I wanted to say girls, girls, girls outside. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of, it was a lot of like just psychological thrillers that inspired us. And I specifically was looking for films. This is like after writing it that had similar themes, which I found in uh, Kayla Janice's book, A House of Psychotic Women, which I noticed she just announced today that she's putting out a 10th anniversary edition. And I will, I'm like, can I pay you to put a blurb about the stylist in there? Yes. I'm just like, take my money now and send me a copy whenever it's done. She said, like, she said she's going to put new blurbs in. And I'm like, I literally no. talk about it in every interview. I'm like, please mention the movie. I'll die. Um, universe. <laughs> yes. But I like, I learned about a lot of films in that book. And she had a whole segment that was talking about like doppelganger, the uh, like the other theme. And I realized, that's actually when I realized, like, that's the main theme in this movie with o Olivia and Claire as, like, opposites that are actually the same and opposite at the same time. Um, and discovered a lot of films like per uh, Bergman's Persona and Three Women. And then I watched Sisters by, by De Palma for the first time, which Carrie was kind of already on my list because it's a, another so many similarities, especially character-wise. Um, and... Uh, when I watch Sisters is when I there's a whole split screen sequence where they reveal something in that split zoom thing and I was like oh my god we have this whole sequence that would make sense in split screen it was something we were just going to do like show one person and then cut to the next scene and they're doing the same thing but I was like why don't we show them doing the same thing side by side that idea never dawned on me till I watched that and you know De Palma uses split screen a lot oh but it was like watching that sequence I was like it hit me I'm like Text my DP. I'm like, I think we're doing a whole sequence of screen. <laughs> I've lost my mind. Um, but yeah, it was like, I made this like 20 film list, gave it to like everybody on the crew. And I was like, this is going to inform us from like character to like lighting, costume, like everything. Um, but yeah, it was stuff from like all the way to the 60s to now, like newer stuff like Black Swan or the Neon Demon, all these like, all the movies that go in House of Psychotic Women, all films about women losing their mind. There's really like all that we watched or like referenced. And I've realized there's so many good ones. I haven't even seen half the movies she mentions in that book still. There's oh so yeah. Many. I'm like <laughs> working my way through and then she releases a new documentary about folklore and I'm like, well now I have to go through all these movies. Yeah. I feel like that House of Psychotic Women in like a film school should be taught as like a year long class 
and you like watch them and then like read the part like this book is so incredible it truly <laughs> is like kayla janice we worship you all the love yeah. <laughs> exactly and especially also the way it's written the the kind of like autobiographical elements into it and weaving yeah. in the film yeah. theory is just it's it's genius it, that part is book, so genius if anyone is looking for it i think i have mine back but it is like the mat it's like that it's not just film theory that somehow that she the weaving of her real story which is brave as hell to tell mm -hmm. um is just like I don't understand how this like the how the for how you how she formatted it like that. It's just like yeah, it's genius, like you said. Yeah. Uh, before I take this off the stylus, like you know, Ali, did you have any other questions or any other things that you wanted to ask about the stylus so that we can keep it a bit streamlined? <laughs> oh, I think we've covered. I mean, I have questions about hair styling, but that can be a later. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, I was going to say, um, I'm curious about how you got started, because um, you made I, I, your first short, um, Call Girl. Oh, Call Girl. Uh, that, that's the title, right? I'm not missing yeah. it up, right? Oh, that's um, your first one. That's my bad. Yeah. So, I mean, when I saw this, I, I remember being completely blown away by the fact that First, it's like a first, like, you know, a first short, you know, but also like, you know, I just really like it resonated with me so much. And when I, I think I remember, like, I think I, I, I messaged you when I first saw it, it was like, it kind of get like, I, I watched it at a time where I was feeling a little bit discouraged and it made me want, it, it gave me um, the love, like, you know, love for filmmaking again. Like, you know, it made me want to start making films again because I had become like extremely jaded. And to me, it was just like so beautifully simple. And, and it just like reminded me of the kind of stuff like, you know, that I, I used to do or that used to stimulate me. But then like, you know, as sometimes like, you know, anything like in the industry, you become kind of jaded and then you you start like internalizing people's expectations. And then like, you know, you no longer do the stuff that you want to do and then you just do what you, you think people want to see. So I, I'm kind of curious about like the genesis as well of that short and how you got started making film and, and where that whole like love comes from. Well, holy crap, that's an incredible compliment. <laughs> no, but it's true. <laughs> um, well, my friend Eric Havens wrote Call Girl, who you know, it went on to co-write Stylus with me. Um, they had written it and wanted to direct it at first. And this is when I, I had started a screening series for independent horror films, mostly but I would show almost any weird genre stuff called Slaughter Movie House here in Kansas City and was meeting a lot of independent filmmakers that way. I showed your film mode there at yes. some point. I'm trying to remember when that was. This, uh, um, like 2013 or, some, or, oh my gosh. or something. How much time has passed? I know. Um, and through, once I started screening short films there, that's really how I discovered short films. I was at a, like a horror convention and saw a few and I was really impressed by the, the quality of them because I'd seen a lot of independent features at the time and in, it's harder to make an independent feature look decent <laughs> but just being brutally honest these shorts I was seeing I was like wow these look like Hollywood films just they're like three to 15 minutes long and I just had never seen anything like it and I think that's what started it spinning in my head but and then he had they had this script call girl and 
we I started to help as a producer. I didn't know what the hell that even meant at the time. Still, I don't know how to describe what a producer is to people. But um, it got to a point where Eric was like, I don't think directing is for me. It's like the stressful part of it. I have no interest in. And I asked if I could do it. And I was like, also didn't even know what that entailed, what I was asking. <laughs> and he, he said, yeah. And um, yeah, I just like figured it out as I went. Like I didn't go to film school or have any idea what I was doing. I made stuff like when I was like 13 with my friends with like a giant VHS camcorder with my dad's like huge camcorder. Um, but I, did a lot of different, like I did photography in high school and then was like hairstylist way into fashion. I put on like a few like live art shows that were like a mix of theater and fashion and hair and they were horror themed. And it was just like, I feel like I was just like leading to this thing eventually. Like once I found filmmaking, I was like, why did I wait so long to try to do this? Um, I think I thought it was like something no one did unless you were rich and famous. Like there's no like in between. Um, so it was really like meeting all the filmmakers through Slaughter that I was like, normal people do this and then just decided to do it. And Call Girl became such a big, bigger thing than I thought it would be because I ended up casting like Lawrence Harvey from The Human Centipede <laughs> and Tristan Risk from American Mary. And I was just like feeling incredibly intimidated <laughs> by the whole thing. Yeah. But I feel like that's been my theme is like always working with all these people that intimidate me and then you learn a lot from them and you have a way better <laughs> product with working with people who know what they're doing. But um, yeah, it was just like, actually when I sent it to Lawrence, I just was asking for his advice, like on the script and as a friend. And he was like, I want to be in it. And at first I was like, I can't do that. Like, I don't think I'll be able to keep like not have a meltdown because <laughs> I'd be so nervous. Mm -hmm. And I realized I couldn't like pass up that kind of an opportunity. Um, And it became a much bigger thing. And I just, became addicted like we wrote started writing stylus right after call girl but we were in a post on stylus for so long that i made like two more short films while the stylus was in post so it made it look like stylus came out later but stylus was really my second short um oh, oh wow but it was just like and that was a huge jump because call girls like all shot like this like it's a webcam just one one take mm -hmm. it was actually just two we split it in half it was two long takes and so I was really scared making the the stylus. It's like this is a real movie with like a million different angles and I and real edit like editing is like a whole nother thing I had was approaching. But I really feel like Sarah and Rob, who went on to make the feature with me, like took me through like a mini film school when preparing for the stylus. Like they taught me how to plan and that I need to storyboard and then we make a schedule and like all that stuff. Um yeah. I just started doing it. I still don't know. I still feel like I'm figuring out how like real since I didn't go to film school and learn like all the terms I'm still like mm -hmm. what does that mean I've been calling it something else for five years <laughs> no but it's good I think it, it is it's a beautiful it's super inspiring story and I'm pretty sure that there might be some aspiring filmmakers watching this and I mm -hmm. I know like if if I was yeah and see there you go <laughs> like it's just it's so inspiring because I mean you want to hear those stories you know I mean because the, the the step and and that, like, you know, that, like, looking at filmmaking as something you want to do when you have never really done it, you know, it, it's very intimidating and daunting. And it definitely seems like something that you need connection for. You need an insane amount of money, 
where all you yeah. really need is an idea that works with the budget you have. Like, you know, you just need the good idea and you need, yeah, to be resourceful and, uh, you know, to do it. So, so thanks for sharing your story. I think it's really inspiring. And yeah. Do you have anything you'd want to say to aspiring filmmakers, you know, watching this? I think the biggest thing that I realized is like, you're still afraid, but you can't be too afraid to not, to not do stuff you don't, know yet because like the only way you're going to figure out how to do it is by doing it I realize like there's not like you're gonna there's like a diagram and then you go do it it's like I think that's what held me back from the short where with the feature for so long I finally got to a point where I was like I just have to do this like I didn't wait for someone to like give me permission to make anything else like we just have to figure it out because I think that's something that a lot of we get at Q and A's and it was like that with some of the film students, like how do you go from having the script and then producing it? Like there's unfortunately not this like magic answer, you know, or like someone to go to, to figure out for you. It's like just a matter of breaking it down step by step. Everything that looks like horrifically scary from like the big picture, but it's like, once you like make it step by step, you're like, this can actually happen. It's just like one thing at a time <laughs> that you have to yeah. figure out. Yeah. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I'm already inspired. Yeah, that's it. That's well, that's what that's you know, that's what that's what we need. Like, you know, you just need to be inspired and then take that first step, like, you know, as terrifying as it sounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking like I mean, speaking of filmmaking, I mean, I'm I'm guessing, right? I'm gonna make a very bold assumption, but that you are a horror fan, right? <laughs> like I think I like horror movies a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so what what got you why got you like you know interested in horror? Like you know like where like do you like you know where does that love come from or like you know do you have any an early memory in terms of like what what it is that that attracted you to the genre? I've just always loved like the the feeling of being scared. I think is like an adrenaline thing um cuz I've always loved like you know amusement parks and scary rides and then as a little kid like playing games that I thought were scary or like I would call it like let's go explore the woods because I thought it was creepy but like that was fun to me or like yeah. <laughs> playing all those games you play but at night like hide and go seek outside with your friends in the dark and I just always loved anything that was scary I think once I discovered like scary stories like the scary stories to tell in the dark books I love those as a little kid those are so traumatizing <laughs> the images really the po like the stories are just like we all remember how scary those images are but those poems are freaking disturbing as shit mm -hmm. for like six-year-olds to be reading i don't even know how old i was yeah. um and then i would watch like are you afraid of the dark i'm trying to remember when like i would stay with a friend on the other side of town when i was little for like the weekend she's like my best friend growing up and we would rent that's when i started renting horror movies like wait like at 10 years old when her parents weren't really paying attention, which I'm very thankful for <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, start like I, wa I remember watching Doctor Giggles and Candyman very young. Um, which Candyman is still one of my favorites. But really, first I fell in love with sad movies. Like I've always been a movie fanatic since I was really little. But like I remember very like specifically knowing that like I like that this movie makes me cry. That's so cool. And like trying to find more movies that. And then, like, scary, I feel like, is a similar thing. It's, like, just art that is that invoking of, like, emotions. I just love 
and I feel like Lawrence Harvey said something that I like to steal years ago. It was like he looked like something about art, just art that doesn't treat the audience passively, which are both, I think, scary and like sad stuff. Um, I like, I don't know, since I was very little and it, it's like I had no like influence. My parents hate, do not, neither one like scary or gory mm -hmm. things. I don't know where it came from. Well, Natural. so you mentioned <laughs> the, the love of psychological horror. So would you say this is the main element that stimulates you as a creator and that you love about the genre? Or is there something else about horror that, you know, as a creator and as a fan, it could be two different things, you know, that stimulates you and that really, like, um, that's appealing to you? Yeah, I, I love psychological horror films, but I feel like as a creator, I'm more so... Um, just focus on characters, whoever it's about, and it might be not a psychological theme uh, or or subgenre. Um, I don't know. I I realize that about myself as with anything. It's like that's what connects me to a film as a viewer or a creator. If I don't like love the main character, it's like I have no interest in it. I realized for me, it's like, I don't know if this is right for all writers or if it sounds wrong, but it's like, mm -hmm. what's more important to me is the character than it is the story. Like this person is so much more important than what's happening to them. Um, Cause it's like, we don't care what's happening to them if the character isn't intriguing enough. Uh, sorry, I just went out rant there. Away from no. psychological <laughs> horror, I'm no, sorry. No, wait, keep it up. No, that's great. I'm kind of intrigued now just wanting yeah. to ask you what's like, you know, do you have a fave in that regard? Like, you know, or or several favorites, you know, that, that to you, they achieve this like masterfully or that, you know, you look, uh, you look to for like, you know, inspiration. Um, well, it's so different per film, but like May comes to mind with like everything that we're saying, which she's that her and the movie very much inspired the stylist um, to the point where I was like, Lucky McKee's going to sue me for being obsessed with Mace and stealing so much of her. Oh, um, like not horror at all, but I love the movie Sling Blade, which I think is like one of the greatest psychological like character pieces. Um, like if it was told from a weird perspective, it could be a horror film, but it is like, you know, a very disturbing drama that is like, how do you even classify that? I love that film. And that character is so incredible. Yeah. No, and I want to rewatch it. It's been too long. But also yeah. I want to rewatch May because I I love it. That was the first Lucky McKee film I saw. And I was like, who is this director? How do I get involved? This is amazing. <laughs> like to me, it feels like May was one of those first like um horror film that I saw where like it really felt like it got me thinking about um like being a woman and the the role of women in horror and that being as like an outlier in terms of like what I was used to seeing like you know because yes we had the final girls and then like you know there was a like you know there was like you know you you had the odd like you know woman as psychopath but then when I saw May I was all like oh wow that's such a great like, you know, female character. And it's so great that this type of story gets to be told within the horror genre, you know? So to me, I, I don't know, for me, it was kind of like my awakening in terms of like, you know, the more complex, like, you know, women's story, you know, represented, like, you know, in, yeah. within that format, yeah. 
Yeah, we still don't have very many female bad female characters. Right? Yeah. <laughs> bad, whatever that means. And May, I love because it's like, I wonder if they'd even let you know, like all the streamers would like come back against like the structure of May, because May is like a totally just a drama until the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And now it's like they'd be like, that's not horror enough. We need to kill in the first five minutes or it won't work. It's like, it, it's, I don't know. I wonder, you know, like we still have to just make what we want as filmmakers or you listen to that kind of stuff and we don't see that stuff anymore. It's like, yeah, but I feel like that's such a, I, ne I didn't hear about May when it first came out and a, like a local friend in the Kansas City horror community, he has her like tattooed on him. And I'm like, what is this movie? I have to see it clearly. And I was like, how did this pass me? Like, this is everything I love. And then all the actors in it and Jeremy Sisto. I'm like, oh my God, how did I miss this film? <laughs> in it, which like always blows my mind. Yeah. I feel like, is that like way before anything else? And her hair is black. Like, done like scary movie, but they were still like budding. Yeah. I could talk about May forever. But that's why I could talk to you forever. We have a lot more female crazy characters now, like brought up uh, Julia Ducorno's films. Did you have you guys seen Titan yet? I've seen it. Oh my gosh, yeah. fucking incredible. But yeah. like oh that and Raw and Raw is so like, good. Yeah. Censor by Prano Bailey Bond. I haven't seen it yet. That oh but I just, just uh, ordered it during Black Friday, you know? So, I know so it's like on its way to me now. Losing <laughs> their mind. I'm like, censor needs to be in the new House of Psychotic Women too. Um, oh, I know it looks so good. Yeah. Kayla. <laughs> yes. But as censors also started as a short film called Nasty that came out the same oh. year that Stylus mm -hmm. was out. And so yeah. I didn't know that she was planning to do it. And when I saw it come out, I'm like, how cool. Um, but it's incredible. Uh, we're seeing so many more because females are authoring movies finally. Like, we, do we wonder why every movie is the same when we have the same exact kind of person making every movie before a certain time? Like, that's why. Like, yeah. we, we, we tell what we know. Like, it makes sense to me. It's not necessarily like, should we, be, should we have expected all of those, like, white men to make stories about women? No, we need more pe different people authoring films because it's like we we tell what we know or we understand. I feel like it's just natural. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, our way of seeing the world and like you know the type of stories that I mean inside my head, I know there's a whole bunch of fucked up shit that just like shows up all the time. You know, <laughs> like nobody can like you know well maybe people can think of that. You know, but. You know, for me to put those on paper, I'm like, yeah, I know that these things are possible because they go through my head, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't act on them, but they cross my mind. You know? Not yet, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> this is why I make films. Like, get you know, trouble. get the catharsis yeah. without the jail time. <laughs> 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 no, that was just kidding. I I'm, a, I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> Yes, we're all just lovely sweethearts. Totally innocent. Yeah. Totally innocent. Yeah. <laughs> I got dimples. I'm innocent. Oh, dimples mean innocence. I'm screwed. I have none. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. So um, we, before our interview, we did reach out on Twitter for some fan questions. So Ali, I don't know if you want to go ahead and like, you know, ask our fan questions. That we first one. Yeah. <laughs> so our first fan question is from Eric Havens, and he, <laughs> <laughs> and he asked, 
what was it like to work with Eric Havens? <laughs> you have very, touched a little very bit on challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. I would not suggest it. <laughs> no, right, so we forget every mention of him for the past hour and then uh, now. <laughs> I saw the tweet and I laughed at it on Twitter, Eric. Okay. You don't get to ask questions here. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, we we kept our words. No, it was great. We did ask. Yeah, yeah. We did ask. <laughs> it was awesome. That's why we made multiple things together. We need to do something else, actually. Hmm. <laughs> our, our second fan question comes from Charlie Ridgewell. And they ask, what was your favorite part about making the stylist? I feel like I saw that and I should have been prepared an answer for this. <laughs> um, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, honestly, it was like the camaraderie among this crew because it was like, I know it was really special because it's not just me saying it. Like a lot of the people, we had people from like all different parts of the Midwest all come together and only three days into shooting, we were like, in fact, we like we talk about this infamous day three party that we had because we had a day off on the fourth day, <laughs> and um, we were partying together on that third night like we were all like best friends since we were five years old. And I feel like that comes through in the project. It was just like everyone it was like a love fest. But like as far as like actually making the film, I don't even know. There's so many things that we wanted to do that were like so side satisfying. Um, to see them like actually work. But it was really cool to spoiler alert be in the movie and um experience what that was like and it gave me an even larger respect for actors cuz it was emotionally exhausting. I was like in tears by the end of the night. And it went great. It was just like I don't know if I can handle this much pressure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um all of it was my favorite. I want to go film it again actually. Oh. <laughs> love that yeah well i might have because i mean i'm kind of like ocd and like two questions is like not enough to me i like when things are in threes you know so i'm gonna just throw in the third question you know <laughs> um what would you like people to um get out of the stylus who watch it like you know is there something yeah i know right <laughs> <It's a hard laughs> um i just hope that the character stays with the viewer and they you know, think about her and contemplate the where and the why and all those things. Um, that's why we didn't answer so many of those questions for you people. Yeah, I just hope that she stays with people and that it's the idea is that it's, you know, people aren't, you know, it's things aren't black and white. Like even, in, you know, in real life, it's we paint people as monsters especially in like our crazy cancel culture it's so easy for us to decide like someone is horrible and like that's all they are and i don't believe that about anybody so that's really like the biggest thing i'm trying to say i think nice so what for you would you believe that claire is just someone who's misunderstood or in your head like you know for you your personal opinion of claire <laughs> you know? um i think it's like I'm going to see what Eric Haven says about this, that like Claire and Olivia, like, and it was our idea that, you know, they came from like the same kind of a background, uh, like grow, both growing up without their father. 
And it's like when uh, Claire realizes that about Olivia, it's kind of when she realizes like, oh, we came from the same place, but then why did I end up here and she ended up there? But it was like our intention to say like, this is what happens to someone, Olivia's example of what happens to someone when they're like surrounded by support and love their whole lives. And then this is like the opposite with someone who had none of that their whole life. Um, so it's not just about being misunderstood. It's about no one caring enough to try to, or I feel like there's, you know, in our society and the way we just throw people away in boxes in prison and we don't do anything to rehabilitate them. It's just, we just like to call people monsters and like throw them away. And I don't, I don't feel like that's the answer. Yeah. Great. What is next on the go for you? Um, you can talk about it. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm attached to a couple projects. Uh, one with the writers of Porno, the horror movie, oh, not just yeah. a random porno. <laughs> I'll work with people that write porn. I don't care about that either. Um, but it's it's like a supernatural horror film. I'm pretty excited about. But I can't really talk about it. Um, and then I'm also working on something with uh, Jamie Nash, who works with the the Blair Witch guys a lot. Like he wrote Lovely Molly, Alter, their VHS segment. Um, and Adam Caesar, who's a, more known for his novels, he wrote Clown in a Cornfield. But, but it's this crazy, awesome project that I would love to make, but I, it needs like a crazy budget. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in the meantime, I'm trying to honestly, I'm thinking about making another short just to, I want to make something. Because you know how long... Even if you have like a script that's like amazing and ready to go, you might not make that for five years if you're lucky or ever. So mm -hmm. you gotta like, keep I just want to make something. I'm dying to make something. I got to shoot a little thing for Arrow, <clears throat> Arrow Video, their streaming channel. Uh, they did a their first like watch along event with the Mutilator. And uh, Heck yeah, they had a lot of filmmakers pop up picture in picture and. Now that it's already come out, I can spoil it, but we all the filmmakers pre-recorded them and we all kind of like die or become possessed within the feeds. <laughs> and so it was like, it was fun to like get the camera out and do something crazy again. And uh, I'm talking to them about maybe doing something for the channel, but yeah, I just, I need to get inspired again. It's like when film festivals are kind of, slowly coming back but <clears throat> i always feel like that like revives me like going back out on the circuit seeing all these other mm -hmm. people's work and what they were able to accomplish and then you're like then you're like revived again you're like i'm gonna go make another movie you know it's like i feel like that's what it does for me yeah. well Heck really yeah. looking forward to this and you're looking forward to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, just like we we keep like I, I I was like I don't want to talk over Ali and like you know we just keep on sometimes we, we yeah. have you know, yeah talk me we just did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say looking forward to see what comes like you know what you come up with next really excited about that we are and hopefully we'll all meet again at Fantasia next year yeah um I guess like you know uh, before we go um where can people who want to see more of your stuff find your stuff and uh, learn about you well on my my website sixtape.com or you can find me everywhere at Jill six two X's or the film the film's Instagram all the things Twitter Facebook at the stylist film yes.
<laughs> I need to update that website. This will inspire me to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there's no better time than now. <laughs> With the pandemic and everything, you know, personally, I've been kind of like catching up on all my stuff, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for being our first guest. And uh, stick around because for those who don't know, we have a Patreon going on because we are part of the Infamous Horror Network. And if when you become a patron of Infamous Horror, you have access to exclusive content for all of the podcasts of uh, the mm -hmm. network. So it's not just us. Uh, crazy people <laughs> you know it's everybody else um so yeah and we are gonna have a quick little lightning round of question with jill um you know but in order to see it you need to subscribe so obviously as usual um if you like us you know uh likes subscribe share I don't know. Ali's better than me with give this. Them all of this. <laughs> yes, give like, them all of your money. Subscribe to the YouTube. Follow us across all social <laughs> platforms. And not just us, but the network Infamous Horror. Yes. And then and as always, we yeah. always want the follows. Yes. And as always, feel free to tweet at us for like, you know, suggestions of guests, like, you know, people you or like topics you'd like to us to talk about, people you'd like to see us interview. And uh, yeah, we will try to you know try to do your wildest craziest dreams or whatever <laughs> this guy sounds yeah, wrong i just realized yeah curtis it might not happen yeah it might not happen but we we'll try try being the important word in there i'm putting it out yeah. <laughs> see you next time <laughs>